trying to, uh, you know, my toes are cold. That's what's getting, seeing me trying to, if I take my shoes off, will that help? <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, well, let me open our time together this morning uh, in prayer, uh, going before our Heavenly Father. Gracious God, O Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we do give you praise this day and every day for who you are and your uh, glorious being, uh, but also for what you have done for us, um, both in giving us the gift of life and the uh, gift of life and all the struggles of that life um, that show us our need of a Savior, that we need new life in Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that um, life you've given us uh, through Christ, how you've united us to him, and that through him we are united to one another. That we uh, come together this morning not just as a uh, club of people sharing common interests or uh, some kind of uh, outward outward uh, thing that we share, but we come together through the internal bond of Jesus Christ um, that knits us one to another and one body of his breath. Uh, though we are many parts, we make up one church of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the instruction you've given for the behavior of that church, uh, given, uh, as we'll study today, by your servant Paul to your servant Timothy for our good and our instruction. So we ask that your Holy Spirit would be with us uh, this morning, teaching us the mystery of godliness and showing us how we ought to live kingdom lives uh, for the sake of the extension of that body of Jesus Christ, uh, your church, your household of faith. And we ask these things in Christ's name, by the power of your spirit. Amen. All right, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to take another crack. Last week, um, we started into 1 Timothy 3, and we got past the first verse, <laughs> or first two verses, um, <laughs> really the first verse. Um, we spent most of our time last week discussing this trustworthy saying, um, the second of the five trustworthy sayings that Paul presents in the pastoral epistles. This time, that trustworthy saying is, if anyone aspires to the off of office of overseer, he desires a noble task. And we talked about how um, often people have objected to that idea um, in that, uh, that he's encouraging people to thirst for power or, you know, well, we, we tend to distrust people who are seeking office. But um, we, as we uh, noted, it, it wasn't that he was emphasizing the aspiration part. He was emphasizing the goodness of the office of episcopos, of, of, of elder, of overseer in Christ's church. Um, we should esteem this office and the characteristics that qualify one for the office. In fact, um, we should all uh, be uh, seeking these qualifications, um, even if we um, are never eligible to serve or never do serve, 
in these offices of, of overseer, or elder, and deacon, that these qualifications are, are not just for those offices, but are part of the Christian faith. So these are things that are good, that we should be seeking. We also noted how in the context of, of persecution in the early church, to be a leader involved sacrifice and suffering. Indeed, Paul is writing this letter himself, an imprisoned leader of Christ's church. And so the church needs, um, needs men who will serve it um, in the ways that uh, Paul uh, enjoins. So today, we'll um, take a, spend a little time looking at some of the specific um, characteristics, qualifications for elder and deacon, and then uh, turn to um, the, the reason for giving these um, instructions about the behavior of leaders in the church of God, which brings us to the, how the chapter ends with the, this beautiful statement um, that Paul calls the mystery of godliness, this almost poetical end to the chapter. So let me uh, read it for us, and then uh, we'll dive in. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity being keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well, for those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, Vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Thus far, the reading of God's word. May he add his blessing to it as we study it this day. So, um, as we think about uh, these qualifications for um, elders or overseers and deacons, um, yeah, how would you... Um, characterize these qualifications? How would you maybe compare the qualifications for officers in the Christian church with leadership positions in other spheres of life, political leadership, managerial, military, 
whatever other forms of leadership uh, you can think of. So, uh, so I want to kind of have that comparative sense so we can see what particular kind of characteristics God wants in those who govern his church. So, yeah, good. Yeah, this emphasis on not giving too much wine, you know, not to be um, an over-imbiber. <laughs> um, and to think about, um, uh, you know, as we think about that characteristic, um, the, the loss of self-control that's involved in drunkenness, um, the selfishness that's involved, you know, uh, uh, you know, I mean, you can think of all the kinds of, problems that result from the, the wastefulness that's involved. I mean, we could go into, uh, but, but yeah, that, you know, if you think about um, so many other leaders, um, that they're in it for themselves and their pleasure. Uh, and, hmm? Dean Martin? <laughs> Why Dean Martin? <laughs> 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 so, um, and the kind of, with that, you know, um, the artificial confidence <laughs> that, that comes. Um, uh, sometimes I joke about um, the first graduate level course I ever took was, I was an undergraduate, and it was myself and five other history PhD students. So... Like the first six weeks of class, I said as little as possible. <laughs> I only responded to direct questions from the professor. Um, I was, yeah. And then we went to um, the campus pub, and I got some artificial courage. And that probably said more than I should have. <laughs> you know, and it's that kind of um, lack of self-control there. Um, good, yeah. Yeah, and and yeah, as, as we think of other forms of leadership, how how much information is used as power? Like I have an advantage over you. Like in, in business, you know, we sort of think, you know, somebody takes advantage of, of they have market information that someone else doesn't. Where in this, the point is again not to selfishly keep something to oneself, but to to distribute it. You know, and as we think of the difference between overseer and deacon. This is one of the qualifications um, that doesn't appear in the phrase list. Again, emphasizing the task, the specific task of the overseer is to teach. You know, if we think about in Acts, when the office of deacon is created, the office of deacon is created so that the apostles can, can devote themselves to, to teaching the word um, and not have to be distracted by all the kind of material needs that were going on in the church. So as we think about the office of overseer, the ability to teach um, is, is um, you know, one of the distinguishing characteristics of it and how different that is from leadership positions where we use information. I, I love the description, you know, as a means of, of power. 
Yeah, as we think about these requirements, you know, um, they're they're internal requirements. And as you say, the standards um, are, uh, yeah, the, uh, my joke is the only standard for being an elder that I meet is I only have one mom. <laughs> that, you know, that one I can say, yes, you know, I've, I've, I've got that qualification, um, Currently, <laughs> it's Valentine's Day. You're not supposed to say things like that. Yeah, and as we, yeah, and then um, there's al there was also the debate, you know, is it only one life in a lifetime? So, you know, there, there was discussion in the early church, can someone remarry after their wives dies? And I don't think it means that. I, I think it means like on the bare face of it, that, you know, that you, in a polygamous society, you have one life, <laughs> that you're not, um, and you're faithful to that life, life. you know, as we see, um, especially, like, think of the context of the church in Corinth, you know, how much of that church is troubled by sexual sin, um, you know, all these different ways that people in the church are doing things that even people outside the church would find. Um, and so, you know, part of being a, a, a leader in God's church is to be sexually faithful. Uh, celibate. Yes, Pat. Yeah, it's a serious thing, and it's a, a giving thing. Um, and, you know, I think so often, um, and I as we think about the family part, like, you know, that he must, you know, manage his own household well, but how can he manage the church well? So it's the way the church is basically being conceived of as an extended family. <laughs> you know, that this is mo more than, um, you know, a, a business model. Um, and this is important, I think, as we think about you know, choosing our next pastor, you know, to remember that it's not a job interview. You know, this is more, um, you know, in terms of, like, uh, I was describing it to someone, like, the, like, Jay had used the line of congregational meeting, it's not a beauty pageant. It's not The Bachelor, it's, you know, or one of those TV shows where the guy is interviewing 30 women at once, and which one, no. <laughs> You know, that is a horrible way to form a marital relationship, and it never works. <laughs> like, no one in the history of that television show is still together. <laughs> they had a thing, like, does the bat like, there was an article, I think it was in Time, like, The Bachelor is, it's entertainment, but it is, is not ever in its history produced a real relationship. And it's, so it's, it's, it's because, you know, this is uh, a leader in the church is in relationship. With them. It's not just a job. 
it is a 